Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This episode is brought to you by Steward. Steward is transforming agriculture by equipping regenerative farms and food systems with the capital they need to grow. As a mission-driven financial partner, Steward works closely with agriculture businesses to scale their operations, improve the health of their lands and waters, and bolster local to regional food systems. To date, Steward has provided over $15 million in business loans to fund 75 unique projects, backed by more than 1,500 participating lenders. Steward is proud to be a certified B Corp. Seek financing or support a loan campaign at gosteward.com. Hey, Thriving Farmers. Michael Kilpatrick here with another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. Today, my guest is Rob Dubay, who is the owner and board chair of Image One. He's also the visionary and CEO of the 10 Disciplines for Managing and Maximizing Your Energy. Welcome to the podcast. Michael, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to talk about the world of farming. I'm so grateful to all the farmers out there. I really am. I'm fascinated by that business and have such gratitude for the nutrients that they bring into my world every day. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you're a, a high performance, you know, you think about those sort of things. And before we obviously get into like your book and kind of dive into that by a bit. I mean, talk a little bit about, you know, how is nutrition an important part of your life? Oh, wow. Thank you for asking that. It's a it's a big, big part of my life. I think about it every day. I'm very much conscious of what I eat and where it comes from. Um, I'm always looking for locally grown um, uh, foods. They're important to me. I want to support the farmers. I live in northern Michigan in a rural area, and right. I always want to support the farms. We have many up here, um, and and I feel that you know it's closer to home. And so, with less travel, uh, there's less burden, obviously, on the environment, and the nutrients stay you know, intact, I think, at least that's my philosophy. No mm -hmm. expert there, but it's, um, it's something that I believe is uh, important for, for to keep me moving and keep me going. And I just have such gratitude and awe really of the work that farmers do, because I see them out there and I see the work that they need to do. And it's a, ma it's mastery. It, it, it's uh -huh. like art. It's art. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah. And again, the small farmer typically is running with a lot going on Oh yeah, and they're so overwhelmed, but why don't you share a little bit about your story mm -hmm. and uh, you know, what you, and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, thank you for the opportunity to do that. Hopefully it'll have some resonance with some of your listeners. Um, I started selling blow pop lollipops out of my locker uh, with my best friend when we were in ninth grade. So that's when the entrepreneurial bug bit us. Mm -hmm. um, in throughout high school and college, the two of us had all kinds of different businesses. And then in 1991, when we came out of college, we started a company which became a copier dealership. So we ran the company for uh, 30 years. And we sold it in 2004 and bought it back in 2006. So that was kind of an interesting uh, thing wow. that, that came along the way. 
Um, and then uh, the two of us handed over the reins to what, what I would say is the next generation. Uh, we have a CEO in place. The two of us have stepped back. We're on the board. We're there to support our CEO and our leadership team over there as they take it to the next level. And, uh-huh. um, and, and now I have a coaching program with a good friend of mine by the name of Gino Wickman, who created yes. a, a program called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, a book he's very well known for called Traction. And the two uh-huh. of us have a coaching program called the 10 Disciplines for Managing and Maximizing Your Energy, where we take people through 10 sessions and help them get absolute clarity and build a foundation in their life so they can, you know, create the kind of life really that they want, take a lot of the stress and anxiety out of all the things that are happening around them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so much to unpack here. Um, I mean, I think we could go for three hours. Unfortunately, ah. we don't have that today. But <laughs> all right. So of the businesses that you did through like your later high school and college years, which one was your favorite? Well, the blow pops without question, because we bought them for a nickel, we sold them for a quarter and the kids were lined up and down the hallway. So it was great margins Mm -hmm. and it was a simple product that everybody liked and everybody wanted. So we had no shortage of customers and no shortage of profits. It's true. It was the easiest. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. I love that you're doing the math. (laughs) You're right (laughs) on. Yes. You got to know your margins. Um, That's right. I love it. So then the copier, you turn the business into a copy dealership. And then what happened in the aspect of you selling it and then buying it back? Could they not manage it? And then it became less profitable. And so you're able to say, let's step back in. No, what happened was um, a, a public company bought our bought us. Uh, they had you know grand plans for expansion, and uh, after eighteen months, they their CEO left, and a new CEO came in, and that CEO didn't have the same ideas and visions that the old CEO had. So that person came to us and said, you know, this isn't part of my vision. Do you want to buy yeah. it back? And so we did. Interesting. Okay. Now, when you step back in. Was it pretty much you just went back to business as normal or in that period, did you have changes or thoughts or new ideas that you came back and said, we have a different little bit of different path for this forward? Mm -hmm. We did. We did have some new ideas and philosophies that became very meaningful for us. We had read a book by the name of Small Giants companies Mm. that choose to be great instead of big. And so we were driven entrepreneurs, still are, but in a different way. But we were driven entrepreneurs really wanting to always expand and grow and be the biggest. And, and, And what we did was through the inspiration of small giants, you know, we decided to get very clear on our purpose and why we were doing what we were doing and what my business partner and I wanted out of this whole thing and how could we enhance the culture and make it the place, this business that we were building all of us together, make it a special experience, one where we could provide genuine care to everybody every day, every time, both of our employees and our customers and our stakeholders and our communities. And so from that point on, you know, that was our main focus. And we just, did a little bit at a time. And then, you know, it all added up to something, you know, that we're pretty proud of uh, uh-huh. you know, here, here as we sit today. Okay. Cause I, one of the things I think is our audience and so many of the farmers that we work with, they don't want to be the biggest name in town. They don't mm-hmm. want to be, you know, 20,000 acres and, 
you know, in every single grocery store shelves, many of them just want to feed their community. They just want to, um, you know, help those locally to them. So mm-hmm. what about that book? I mean, what, in that book, are the two or three principles that you really latched onto that made you like, this is the, these are the things that we're going to use to take this company to not be the biggest, but be the best. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, small giants, the name itself, I, you know, the book came to me, I still don't know how I got it ended up on my desk, somebody had sent it to me, and I don't know who it was to this day. But when I saw the title, that spoke to me. So that's, that's a starting point for your listeners to say, like, think about that for a second, small giant, meaning mm. you can be small, impactful in your community, which is really it's giant. I mean, it makes you yeah. a giant. You don't have to have all the other things that that uh, maybe are more conventional in the sense of uh, success. You know, I mentioned before, part of the small giants' philosophies and companies that are small giants is that they're purposeful. You know, they have a vision and they have a powerful statement. They have values that you know are core to what they're all about, and they bring those to life. Um, so whomever's working, say w- within the farm, whether it be the family or there's outside employees that are coming in, you know they're really clear about what this place is all about, and mm-hmm. and everybody's bought into that, and that's really important. And and the leadership part of it, you know, we're servant leaders. We lead through our values. Um, the culture that we're creating, you know, it's a culture of intimacy. Um, You know, we're putting people first, we're caring for them. And this is actually really important, caring for them in the totality of their lives, their wholeness, their whole beings, you know, they're not just people who come do work uh, in exchange for currency, and then go home, and then they have a life. It's the totality of their life. Um, you know, finance is a big is an important part of it for us and small giants. We we want to protect our margins um, without compromising our values, and it's a very competitive world out there in business. I imagine much you know just as much in 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 the farming world, and so yeah. it's important to protect our margins. We work hard, and and we deserve to be a profitable company for everything that we put into it. And there's two more that are important. If, and if you cut me off at any time, if this is too much, but no, this is great. you know, customers, it sounds obvious, but what we want to do with our customers are create meaningful relationships with them. And, you know, it actually goes beyond customers. I had mentioned at the outset, you know, it's, it's, it's our suppliers it's our stakeholders, yeah. you know, it goes beyond that. And I, and I stress meaningful relationships. Why are we doing this in this world? I mean, there's a wholeness. We're all interconnected. We're just human beings making our way through this life. And meaningful relationships are so important. I feel that in the farming community. There is something about that soil and how it it cultivates and grows something that ends up in somebody's body that fuels them, that where I personally feel a connection to the farmers that created that. It was mm-hmm. with such loving care. I just see the dirt under their nails. I just see it yeah. so uh, vividly when I'm preparing my meals. And then communities, you know, you talked about serving the community and, and that's understanding the value of establishing these deep roots in their communities. You know, I mean, 
the, the farming community is a, it, it, it's a, to me, it's a staple. I know the local farmers. I, I know the names of their farms. I know what they're mm-hmm. creating and where I see quality and maybe where I don't too, by the way. Um, but <laughs> yes. you, you know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah. and I just really appreciate that connection. And I know they're down the road a few miles or, or what have you. And I think yeah. fondly of them and I feel connected to them, even if I don't know the, the, the proprietors of the farm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, w- one thing you said there too is about the community. And I, I think with farming, because a lot of the times it's a low margin thing. So you have to be really careful about things being a part of that community, knowing those customers. Um, we, again, with our little town, we have a really strong community and I'm super lucky to have a machine shop across the street. And these guys, you know, build parts for, I mean, these crazy industrial businesses and they're tens of thousands of dollars, but I can walk over there and they're more than happy to say, Hey, well, we can fix this for you. Well, let's try this for you. And just that community aspect of being able to drop off a couple bags of sweet potatoes mm. and they, you know, fix stuff. And it's just a great aspect of, um, of working together mm. and building that, that sense of belonging. That's right. That's, that's the interconnected. That's so, that's a special, uh, that's a special bond that gets created where mm-hmm. there's just two, two humans trying to help each other. They understand mm-hmm. how hard this whole thing is, you know, and, and they're just trying to help each other and do good by the community at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in this particular situation, this gentleman has been at this business for, I think, 20 some years and he's making good money now. I mean, like <laughs> you, I'll see the new machinery show up and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I bet that was, <laughs> you know, a quarter million dollars. Uh-huh. And he understands that aspect of what it's like to get going. He said that he's like, Michael, I know you're in second year of this farm right now. And he's like, I know things are tight. So, you know, we'll just, again, bring some sweet potatoes by when you're ready. That's so great. That is that aspect of that first generation passing to the next generation and being willing to, yeah. And then you also see the other people in the community that aren't willing to do that Mm -hmm. and are going to be like, well, you know, the rate is this per hour and you're going to pay that. And, you know, that's okay to be that way. But you also got to realize that people are going to remember that as well. That's exactly right. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. So Rob, share a little bit. You obviously are working with um, Gino on the, you know, all his books and stuff. And obviously that's how we found you was through him. Mm -hmm. I've obviously been fascinated. How did you two uh, meet up? So uh, Gino and I met uh, over 20 years ago when he was just getting started with this business, with with the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. operating system. We were one of his first clients. And okay. um, yeah, we had a problem. He came in and chatted with us about the problem. He helped us. He gave us some very wise advice. And one thing led to another and, and we became a client of his. And so he always says that we were one of his guinea pigs and we've been very humbled and you know, fortunate to be uh, in, I think, every one of the books he's written. Uh, yeah. And um, as an example uh, of our journey, and, and it's very humbling. And, and so that's how we got to know each other. And we, we became very close friends and uh, remain so to this day and, and now business partners. So who could have imagined it would have come, you know, to that, yeah. to the point where we became business partners, but we're, it's, it's a dream come true, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you talk about the 10 disciplines. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go through all of them? Do you want to just talk about some of them? 
you want to just give an overview? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start and then you just interrupt me when it's not useful anymore. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> all right, we'll just go. Yeah. So, you know, we have this, we have a, we start with a three-part framework and it's freedom, creativity, and impact. And it starts, uh, the freedom aspect of it is, you know, really finding the mind space in our life um, to go inside and, uh, and, and do some of that work, you know, that, that um, is important for us to show up as our best in our lives. Uh, we all have challenges in our lives and it's our ability to deal with those challenges in the most healthy of ways. Um, and, and that's where the freedom comes in. We need that mind space in our life. Um, when we have that, we get sparks of creativity. And this is where we begin to um, get you know, some sort of intervention, like, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, and when that starts to happen, the next piece to this, the next part of the three parts uh, begins to happen and that's impact. So we start to really feel purposeful in our life and notice how we're making a difference in people's lives. It could be through our work. It could be in our non-work life. It could be all commingled together. It could be big. It could be small doesn't really matter. It's more of a feeling. It's what's important to you. And so we have to build a foundation to get that freedom. And that's what the 10 disciplines does. It gets you that freedom. It starts with 10-year thinking. And that's where we shift our mind from short-term thinking to, ten, to thinking in 10-year timeframes. It's kind of like the advice the machine shop uh, person said to you. I think it, he gave you the advice. He said, yeah. you know, hey, you're two years in, you know, Keep, keep going, keep going. And that's where we're in the day-to-day -day and we don't see the light and we just know, you know what? I know where I'm going and where I'm going to be in 10 years and I'm confident I'm going to get there. And that, that enables us to make decisions differently versus feeling stress and anxiety in the moment. Like, what am I going to do? And be, we become very reactive. So we trust that in, ten, you know, in our 10-year ten ten thinking that things are going to work out in the way that we hope they will. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's where we shift our mind. The next thing, and this will be interesting for, for your listeners, and that is taking time off. You know, that's where we have to find the space in our mind to, you know, turn it off. Um, yeah. you know, we like to see people take 130 days off a year and not think about work. That's a really hard thing for people to do, but if you take every weekend off, that's 104 days. So that's just for perspective. If you could get yourself a few weeks vacation and allow yourself to take holidays off, you're darn near 130. So it might not yeah. be as overwhelming as it seems, but the big thing is just not thinking about work. Entrepreneurs and, you're, and people in the farming community are obviously entrepreneurs. It's hard to turn it off. And, yeah. um, but we need to do that. We need to clear our minds so that we get that creativity spark. The next thing is know thyself. And that's where we just want you to be you 100% of the time, 24-7, 365. Don't try to be anybody other than you. We say, let your freak flag fly, you know, be silly, be goofy, be <laughs> yep. whatever you are. You know, the world appreciates authenticity and you get rewarded for it. And so be know thyself and be you. Um, the next thing is be still. And uh, that's where we encourage 
uh, our, our clients to sit in silence for at least 30 minutes every day. And uh, that can come in many forms. Some people choose to do that in prayer. Some people do meditations, they journal, they contemplate, whatever works for you. But it's really just allowing your body and your mind to settle down. You know, you picture that jar of sand with water in it, you shake it up and all that sand's floating around. That's your mind, that's your body. It's all yep. jazzed up and then it settles down. And that's why we need to do this 30 minutes every day. It's a hard thing for most people to do these days, but it's it, that's that settling down process that gets you that freedom. The next so, is, yep, go ahead. Let's stop right there because yeah. I think that's really, really important and really interesting. Is that is there a particular time of the day? Do you like to see it done at the end of the day, beginning of the day? It's a great question. And I think it it um, really depends on the person and their schedule. I think uh, the beginning of the day is the best time of the day because okay. you you didn't get into everything and it's it's yep. hard to stop what you got into versus being in control of your day. And in the morning, you can be in control of your day. So, you know, when I started this practice over two decades ago, I chose to make this the first thing I did in the morning. And I even changed my wake up time in order to do it. That was the sacrifice or, or I don't even know if I consider it a sacrifice anymore, but yeah. at the time I did, um, you know, to do it. So I think it really depends on the person and what's best for and, them. And this 30 minutes, you're not reading anything. You're not really, well, you, okay. So you said meditation, like prayer, um, just mm -hmm. journaling, just introspection, not not outward. That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, I, I think one of the more valuable things we can do is, is actually just sit in silence and do a very basic meditation, maybe where we focus on our breath, because what, what's happening there is our thoughts uh, and our minds are very busy and, um, and we don't give our, uh, we don't, give ourselves the chance to let all the stuff that's up there kind of just release. And so if we can just let our mind be busy and without judgment, without trying to solve anything, and then just practice coming back to our breath, which really just represents this moment, the present moment. In other words, anything that happened before this, that's over. There's nothing you can do about it. And then anything that you think is going to happen in the future may or may not happen. It's just what you think is going to happen, but it, it's not here yet. All, all that's here is like me speaking with you right now, Michael, that's all that's really happening. I might be thinking yeah. I'm going to have dinner tonight at some point, but I can't say it's actually going to happen because all I know that's going to really happen is what's happening at this moment. <laughs> so yes. if I'm going yeah. down a rabbit hole, you don't want me to, please let me know. But sitting in silence and just allowing our thoughts to be without judgment and practicing coming back to our breath and focusing on our breath for as long as we can. And that's a very difficult thing to do because our minds are are very strong. And, and so it's just, you you kind of go through that process and that's a basic meditation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. No, that was great detail. Thank you. <laughs> okay. The next thing is knowing your 100%. And this is where you're going to decide on and commit to the number of hours per week and weeks per year that you're going to deliver your value to the world. So, you know, I can imagine in, in the farming industry um, and having a farming business, you know, there's a lot of hours that got to be put in and it causes a lot of exhaustion. Um, and uh -huh. you, you have to, you, you have to, 
really be conscious of not becoming burnt out because once you become burnt out, you're no longer useful to the community, to your farm, to your employees, if you have them, to your family members who might be working with you in the farm, et cetera. So you have to find that really challenging balance of what are the perfect number of hours where I feel energized and not not burnt out, um, but I didn't stop too soon where I felt like I had more to give. So you just really kind of tweak that. And just to ensure you're always working at uh, utilizing your energy in the best way. So that's, it takes a little bit of practice, but again, it's committing the number of hours per week and weeks per year. The next is, oh, go ahead. And right there, I think that is one of the number one problem with so many farms. (laughs) I thought it might be. Yeah, they burn out because they, what happens is they love doing what they're doing, but a lot of the times they feel undervalued and typically they are undervalued because farmers don't chart because they love what they're doing. And a lot of people complain, well, I could grow that tomato in my garden. And so there'd be like, you know, when someone asks, you know, $3 for a tomato, which when you look at the price per pound, it's actually cheap. And you go to the grocery store and it's $4 a pound. Mm -hmm. So they feel undervalued. And so now they're getting burnt out and then they alienate and drive away good employees your spouse is like uh you can't do this anymore because i don't like i don't want this lifestyle yeah and then their customers if they have good customers the customers are always really grateful but any customer that's maybe an iffy customer if they feel the farmer's mad at them they're obviously not going to buy anymore Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's a huge problem so I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, and I can't imagine, you know, and I've seen it at the farmer's markets and, you know, I've seen the conversations that are going back and forth amongst people who are talking about price and things of that nature. And, you know, my wish for the farmers is that, you know, they release any of their, um, any of the, that they acknowledge maybe the relationship with money and worth and, and do their best mm-hmm. to kind of let that go and, and feel very, um, comfortable with whatever they're charging. And some people aren't going to see the value there and that's fine. They can go somewhere else. Cause that's maybe not their target customer mm-hmm. target market, you know, I'm yeah. their target market. Like I don't really yeah. even look at the price of a tomato. I mean, if you grew it and it, I believe in your product, I'm happy to pay whatever you think is the right price for me to pay. And I imagine there's a market for that out there. Yes. I don't know the business well enough, but, and, and there's always going to be price pressures. I mean, I have businesses and there's price pressures there too. And sometimes I fe- don't feel that my services are being valued. So to all the farmers out there, please know you're not alone. I mean, the farming industry is not the only industry where people don't appreciate uh-huh. or, or that they don't necessarily look at, you know, like my, my first business that I started that I, we talked about image one, you know, that is looked at as a commodity. So, and that mm. drives me, that drives us crazy because we work really hard to but provide a high level of service and care yet, you know, and pe- customers love that, but they also pressure us on price and we're, you yes. know, it's, so it's a hard balance and you have to work with the market forces also. Yeah. So image one, that's the copier business. That's the copier business. Yeah. Now, were you focused on selling units or were you focused on selling contracts for copier services? Both. So we sell the okay. unit. Yep. And then that comes okay. along with the, with the service and it's a super competitive business, ridiculous. Yeah. And it's commoditized. So, you know, you, you really have to go in there with a great level of service and you have to have a strong price point or else they're not going to do business with you. 
Yeah, it was interesting because we were sold, well, tried to sell us not too long ago about mm. for label and printing. We wanted to talk about some label. And anyway, they came out with this. They wouldn't sell us a unit. They wanted to lease us a unit and then sell us a number of copies. That's right. Per, per, per penny copy price. That's right. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the model. Yep. Yeah, which was really interesting, obviously. But um, yeah. All right. Let's dive back into those 10 because I don't okay. want to miss any here. Okay, no worries. So the next one, discipline number six is say no often. And this is where you say no to anything that's not fitting into the five first five disciplines. And saying no is hard for most people. We hate mm -hmm. saying no. But when we get really clear about what our boundaries are, where we're going in 10 years, how much time we need off, knowing ourselves, taking time to be still and knowing our 100%, we get really clear on what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. And saying no could be really empowering because because it gives us the time and energy to spend on the things that are most important to us and that maybe bring greater profits. You know, so let's just say you have a farm and somebody's saying you should grow tomatoes, but that's not kind of your main thing, but you decide, okay, yeah. we'll try tomatoes. And then all of a sudden you're getting, you're spending all this time trying to grow the perfect tomato when your core business over there is, you know, uh, you're not paying as much attention to that anymore. So yes. that could be an example. I don't really know if it's a good one for the farming industry, but it's just, it's just no being really clear. Hey, can you come do 10 farmers markets instead yes. of two, you know, no, just do yes. two. That gives you energy. You know, the ones that are most profitable that meet your, you know, or have your right target market. So you don't say yes to all of them. You say, you say yes to two of them. So those yes. are things that might come to mind as far as saying no. Well, then, I mean, it's interesting you brought the tomato up because actually tomatoes, a lot of people say, well, you make a tremendous amount of money on tomatoes. And yeah, we sell a lot of tomatoes, but they're actually one of our least profitable crops. <laughs> Interesting. Because the amount of work that goes into that tomato. Mm -hmm. um, so we've already looked at the numbers for this year and we realized we need to cut back our tomatoes by about 40%. Wow. So that means it's a pull instead of a push. Because uh -huh. what happens if you're pushing, you're always losing about, let's say, 10 to 8 to 10%. And that's where I think our margin actually is. So mm -hmm. we need to get to the point where every single tomato we oh, we produce is being pulled from us and sold. Um, other crops like lettuce, which is another main crop, is actually a push crop. Is mm -hmm. cheap to grow. It's very effective for us. So we always have extra. And we're always tilling it under because we never want to be without. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad you brought that up because that's so key for people to say no. And I personally have such a hard time saying no. Um, in fact, actually yesterday I should have said no to something that, yeah, it was, I, I, I got on a call and I was misconstrued with what the call was. Mm -hmm. Um, they kind of got under false pretenses and I have immediately said, I'm sorry, I'm really ex excited for you, but I can't do this because this is not what we actually decided to talk about. Uh -huh. So I love it. Great example. Great example. And hey, let me tell you, there's nothing like a really great tomato. So I think whoever's growing tomatoes, <laughs> the best ones should charge as much as they can because there's nothing like a good one. Yes. Um, the next discipline, this is going to be interesting. In fact, these next three, I think are going to be interesting for the farming community as to how well they resonate. Uh, the, the discipline number seven is don't do $25 an hour work. And that is to never do anything that you could pay somebody $25 an hour to do. Now, I have to preface this by saying 
$25 an hour work is actually, it's very, very important work. I'm speaking to those that are in the, that are the entrepreneurs and they have taken risk. They have put their whole life into their business, in this case, farms, and they want to be successful in many ways. And one of those is probably financially. And what that means in the farming community for a small local farm, I don't know, but I'm hopeful that the farmers can make a wage that is a living wage that gives them some of the freedoms in life that they deserve and have earned through the very, very hard work that they do each and every day. And so the premise behind this is really just to look at the things that you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and make sure that it's in your pay range. And if it's not, find somebody who can do it. And the economy is very interesting nowadays. There's all kinds of different ways that you can find uh, people to do work um, in, in this kind of uh, economy and use that time to find out how you can grow your business, how you in, can increase your margins. You know, it might be doing something like you mentioned, where you kind of looked at your tomato production and decided, you know, it, the margins weren't there, it was a lot of work, and you were going to scale it back. You know, that's very impactful to the bottom line of the farm. And so uh -huh. that's what that one's all about. Well, I, that is such key. And I, I don't, I think your $25 an hour rule is true. And I actually, we talk to farmers, say the hundred, and I say hundred dollars is because they always look at me like a shock expression. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying to them, and I say that, because I have to kind of back a little bit and explain it to them. It's like, don't be out pulling the weeds, be out figuring out the cultivation system so that you can burn the weeds away or use a machine to do the weeding, or you can set up the irrigation system so that you're not having to hand water. That's because right. Because you're right. They get caught in the details of these little tiny things when they should never be doing a lot of these tasks. That's right. That's right. I'm so glad you have that conversation with them. And, and you know, farms are no different than any other business. You know, people get Correct. in the weeds with lots of stuff. So I think it's very relatable. The next one, discipline number eight is prepare every night. Simply before your head hits the pillow every night, document the next day's plan. This way, a few things happen. First of all, you get clear and you release some of the anxiety about what do I got to do tomorrow? You get really clear about it. Mm -hmm. You'll sleep better. While you're sleeping, your subconscious is going to work and it's working mm -hmm. through some of these problems and challenges that you're dealing with. Then when you wake up, you know exactly what's going on today. You know what you need to do and when you need to do it. And as you're sort of going about your day and your morning, you're going to notice something's going to pop in your mind. And it's, it's going to be a solution to one of the challenges you've been dealing with. And you're going to wonder where that came from. <laughs> All of a sudden, mm -hmm. it just appeared. I had a solution. That's because you took the time, 10 minutes tops, the night before or at the end of your work day to kind of just scan what I got going on tomorrow, what's most important that I need to do, and then just let it go and let your subconscious do the work from there. So it's, it's really simple, but really, really powerful. Joining me is Dan from Steward, a mission-driven financial partner for farms across the U.S. Dan, let's talk aggregating. That's where you know farmers can provide products to, let's say, like a food hub, and the food hub maybe does some processing there, but then is the distribution or the last mile to the consumer. What makes that work, and what are the challenges? 
aggregating just one part in the chain, producer processing, aggregation, and sales. And so it's about creating systems that that producers can sell under. I think one of the things I've noticed working in and understanding many producers is they don't all want to have to create their own brand and manage and do sales and do all the engagement, but how can they sell under a shared system that actually provides value to them that isn't just squeezing them as intermediary? So we've been financing aggregation infrastructure kind of last mile where it's a mix of shared aggregation for producers, value-added processing commercial kitchens where CPG companies and, and makers can start to trial and use those products, and retail restaurant sales, we are really selling high margin products through. And so I, I see aggregation as the combination of introducing people to products and showcasing products, and then being the exchange where people can buy goods and buy o- larger order flow and kind of really drive sales. Where I've seen success is these regional networks of producers who come together under a shared brand and start to aggregate. They don't all have to do it themselves. And I think that's where you start to get the, the volume to make a real impact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's actually a local organic co-op here of a couple of different organic farms, certified organic farms that use that to put an outlet on a lot of their wholesale crops, which is awesome to see that developing here locally. Um, what do you feel is the major challenge there? Is it just um, literally the funding or is it the marketing? I, I think a lot of people start this simply, you know, them and a few other producers come together, they start to share some services, cross-sell products. And I think it's around the actual infrastructure that makes it challenging because to really do aggregation at scale, you do need some amount of infrastructure to move the products and put the facility together. And so a lot of the challenges in these kind of aggregation food hub type businesses is where's that capital going to come from that can be patient and that can give it the time to build the volume and get to the point where it can sustain itself. So the projects that we funded at Steward, such as Astoria Food Hub in Pacific Northwest, that's actually under construction now. You're bringing together a lot of the local producers and communities and makers to a space where they can showcase what they have and hopefully start to drive more sales from local buyers. And one of the main things that it's able to do that, that couldn't be done before is meet larger contracts with reliability. And I think that's, that's where there's a big gap in the market, which is people with bigger contracts can't find the producers to meet that reliably. And mm-hmm. so if you can have aggregation around ideally processing and those two pieces in unison, you can start to get the supply reliably to, to the buyers, which then can bring everybody up to a higher level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a great example would be like a kraut or a kimchi producer, which needs a thousand pounds of you know, Chinese cabbage every single week. And maybe one farm can't supply that, but between three or four or five farms, they can get what they need and that can give them the processing product they need. Exactly. And that reliability of, of sales and purchasing is really helpful for farms. You know, Relying on your own direct sales every week can be a challenge. So if you can balance some of that wholesale with your own direct outlets and you really got sustainability and diversity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you're looking for a non-traditional mission-driven financial partner who understands the business of regenerative agriculture, reach out to gosteward.com today. Yep, go ahead. That's planning. Do you have a specific way you like to play that 10 minutes? Do you like to write things down? Do you put things into the computer? I'm a writer downer. <laughs> so okay. that's what okay. I like to do, but I do use technology. There's a, there's a, 
a thing called a remarkable and it's kind of like a tablet that feels like paper. So I like uh-huh. paper. I like to write things down, but I also like some of the technology, but I have, we have plenty of clients that use technology and that's fine too. It's whatever you just find, whatever it is that makes most sense for you. And it actually segues into the next one, which is discipline number nine, put everything in one place. And this is where we encourage people to pick the one place that you're going to capture every idea, commitment, thought, action item, and promise as you go about your days. Now, in in the farming community, I don't know how possible this is or whatnot depends on the flow of the day, but we like to say whatever it is, you know, like imagine it's attached to your hip. So if you're going along and you have a really great visionary idea, you can pause and pull it out and write it down real quick. Or if you are talking to a team member and you, you decide that uh, you, you, you decide uh, uh, that on something and there's a commitment that you need to follow through on, you jot that down real quick. Or you think about a meeting with somebody you want to have for some business development, maybe it's a local market or whatever, and you jot it down, remember to call and, and to do that. And then at the end of the day, when you're doing that prepare every night process, you look through your one place and you compartmentalize all of it. So anything that you can delegate, you delegate that off to that to whoever that you can do that with. If there is a to-do list that you might have, you you put your to-dos in there. If there's something on your calendar that you need to put on, you put it on your calendar, et cetera. The bottom line is at the end of the day, you've got everything that came up and you know right where it is. It's not on post-it notes, on the computer, in a journal. It's not all over the place. It's in one place. Again, this one is really simple but uh, and very powerful, but so, it's very difficult for many people. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And that's and, Go ahead. Yeah, that's definitely something I see farmers do too, is like you got notes here and you got notes there and you got notes in another place. So finding that one place putting anything in there because I think a lot of times people and farmers particularly, they have so many little things they have to remember that they never can fit. You can, because they have so much, they almost have a hard time focusing on any one thing and getting anything completely done. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And, you know, for some reason, I have a picture of a farmer out in the field and really, you know, whatever the act, whatever the day-to-day stuff is that's out there. And I'm thinking, well, how, what do they, how do they do this? I picture, you know, if they like to write on paper, I picture one of those, you know, small flip, um, flip, paper, you know, things. I picture that if they like technology, you know, nowadays you can actually talk into your phone. So, you know, just pull out, you know, call Sally at the market tomorrow at 2 PM, boom, put it back in your pocket, et cetera. You know, so I think it's very much a comp, it's something that can be accomplished and, um, and, and will, uh, lower your anxiety. You know, I think a lot of the things that we see in entrepreneurs is they have so much going on. They're here, they're there, they're talking to this person, they're doing this thing and they lose track of it all. And when it comes to the end of the day and they're sort of winding down, it all rises up to the top. Oh my God, I forgot to do this. And oh my God, I'm going to forget to do this. Uh And so it brings them back into it. So they can never settle down because now they're maybe back at their computer because they don't want to forget or, they try to let it go, but they can't because they're they're afraid they're mm-hmm. going to forget. And this is all designed, this simple process, just to help you know that you got it captured. And so you don't have to worry about forgetting. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Was that nine or ten? I That's nine. There's one more, and okay. I don't think I don't one think couple, I don't think um, our farm our farming community is going to have a challenge with this one. But it's discipline number ten is be humble. It's viewing yourself as an equal to every single person on the planet, and we follow this up by the simple by recommending the simple practice of daily gratitude and that's just simply at the beginning or end or both of every day just taking a moment and expressing some gratitude whether you write it down or you say it in your mind or you say it to a loved one just expressing some type of gratitude because you're wiring your brain to understand that the gifts that we have in this world are so precious and sometimes we see past them because our minds are fogged or mucky which is normal but it just reminds us so viewing ourselves as an equal to every person on the planet and expressing gratitude just simply be humble the world's a better place when you're around humble people and just about any farmer i've ever met is is pretty darn humble mm-hmm. yeah well we're always uh working with nature so that's <laughs> that right you're anyone humble that's exactly <laughs> my gosh great point i love it yeah um all right, so I'm picking three right now. I think that uh, the one place, you know, I tend to have a few different places I write things down and then mm-hmm. I'll come back to things. So I, that's one I pick on. Great. The other one I'm going to pick on is that 30 minutes. Um, mm. I tend to get up and, 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 and first go right into like trying to deal with the chaos. Yeah. I think that half hour settling right there would be great to get, to get going for the day and just mm, kind of like- I love it depress and open up. And then the last, that 10 minute, the end of the day too, I think that, I mean, I typically do do that, but mm-hmm. I don't think I do that well enough or consistent enough. Mm-hmm. Um, because what you one thing you said that was so true and so important is if you give your mind space and you at the night before have kind of like laid out some of the issues, a lot mm-hmm. of times you'll wake up and you'll be like, you know what? I thought of a new way to do this and I think it's going to work and it will work great. Yes. So, I love that you're pointing that out. So it's important. the best. It's so true. It yeah. happens. It's like clockwork. So yes, great. Yeah. What would you say to the farmer who's, you know, they're they're making some traction, but they're not sure if it's worth it for them? Would you say what kind of what kind of deep work do they need to do to figure out if this is gonna be mm. the right move for them? Well, you know, I think I go to the 10-year thinking piece of this, and that's where you you really begin to imagine what your life will look like in 10 years and when you have absolute clarity on that you can scale you can bring it back to today and start saying you know is what i'm doing today going to create that life and if so do i have oh. trust in my ability to get there and if the answers are yes to that and i hope they are then you have trust in yourself that you will Make the very challenging d- decisions that you you'll need to make along the way to to get you where you want to be. Um, that might mean you know growing the farm. It might mean having a different product line that is not nothing you could have ever expected. Um, it might mean actually staying really focused on the boring day to day turning out of whatever crop, as opposed to the new shiny crop that you could go and, you know, get distracted Uh with, and let me tinker over here with the best way to do this. You know, the best businesses often just stay really focused on their core competency and that uh, help them create the profits that are needed for them to 
serve their team members and their families and create the life that, you know, they, they uh, wish for. So um, yeah, that, that's yeah. what comes to mind for me. Yeah, I think something you said there is like you know, not go after that new shiny thing, and that's mm-hmm. that they echoed in a lot of Jim Collins' work. Is he talks about the you that's know right. the, the step by step by step, not trying to make massive leaps forward, because that's right. a lot of those leaps can get you into trouble. You got it. Now, what a, a what a great book to reference. There. I mean, you're right on with that. Yeah, one of the things I don't know if you ever saw in the last four years the rise of uh, the CBD hemp industry. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, millions and millions of dollars were lost in that mm, because interesting. Literally, everyone and the brother tried to jump on, jump on the bandwagon. They, yes, the price of this of the product went from like hundred to like five dollars wow. in literally like two months. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, so that is such a, a good example. It is. It's, it's the perfect example because, and sometimes, you know, I don't know how tight knit the farming community is, but you start talking to your peers and, you know, one of them's getting into the CBD business and, you know, oh my gosh, maybe I should get into that. You know, they're doing that and, and it all looks like mm-hmm. it's so great and wonderful. And then these kinds of things happen. So, you know, this is where it all comes back to the disciplines and we're looking for freedom. And it comes back to, you know, having the mind space to um, really be able to be reflective and, and thoughtful in the decisions that you're making. And there's no rush with 10 year thinking. There's no rush. Mm-hmm. You can watch how CBD, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, are, are we worried we're going to miss the gold rush? I don't know. There's probably another gold rush around the corner that you could latch onto. There always seems to be. So, you know, yeah. have trust that, you know, in the 10 year business cycle, you know, you stay focused and, and, and things are going to work out in the way that you hope for. Yeah, actually, the gold rush and the when this album came out of the CBD was going around and buying out all the business assets of ten cents on the dollar. Oh my god, jeez! I mean, I just you know, I just was thinking through as you just said that is real because that's what it was. Unfortunately, it's really sad that that's what came out of it. Mm, But I talked a lot of these players, and they unfortunately loaned a lot of this equipment out on credit because they were like, "Well, anyone's going to make you know." Oku's of money. Now let's switch gears a little bit. You wrote a book, Do Nothing. Yes. Um, I think that kind of just kind of feeds into what we just talked about <laughs> slowing down the 10-year plan. Yeah. And the book is about meditation. I've been an avid meditator for over a couple of decades. And um, and it's been very useful in my life. Uh, it's allowed me to take a lot of the trauma that I experienced as a child and a young man. And, um, you know, understand it better um, and understand the preciousness of every moment. Uh, And that was important for me. And, you know, there's there's a moment that we have throughout all of our days. It's the moment between stimulus and response. (laughs) And, you know, it's when something doesn't go our way or somebody says something that we don't like. And then we have that that space right there. And it's how we react to it, both in our minds and externally. And that that is a precious moment and we need to cultivate and practice it. It's no different than playing a sport or, you know, being the best farmer that you can be. It's all about practice. And and so cultivating 
cultivating that um, I have found to be very useful. And I do that through the meditation practice uh, that we talked a little bit about earlier with the focusing on the breath. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now you also, let's talk a little bit about if people resonate with what you're talking about today and want to go deeper, talk about how they can find out about more of what you do. Cause I think you also have a retreat. Yes. So uh, the 10 disciplines, you can go to the 10 disciplines.com and that will give you everything you need to know about what we talked about. As far as those go you can download, there's a free ebook. There's also a checkup that you could take kind of a, um, an assessment mm -hmm. to see how you're doing. So we encourage you to download the ebook and take the uh, checkup. Uh, the retreat is um, a, a retreat that I created for entrepreneurs and leaders and uh, it's a five-day retreat in the mountains of Colorado once per year. And we are in silence for three of those days. And so this is where we um, learn to, you know, uh, learn the practice of meditation and then what it might feel like to be in silence and not talk, not write, not uh, make eye contact um, and really go inside. Uh, for th for three full days, which for most people, you know, they haven't had that experience since they were, you know, a baby. So, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, as soon as we came out, we were going a thousand miles an hour. But there, it, it it's quite powerful when you can when you can um, be you know with your thoughts for an extended period of time and and understand how beautiful life is. Um, and you start to see things in a more, both in your mind and, you know, ex outside of your mind, uh, through, through your sight, uh, through your senses, uh, in a much more vivid way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have a podcast by that name as well. I do. I do. It's, it's, um, yeah, and it's been a joy and, you know, doing the work like that, that you do and being able to, uh, chat with, uh, people who, our experts in their field has, has been, you know, just such a gift and just to learn from them. And, and to, it's a gift to be interviewed, you know, thank you. I I'm so grateful to you for reaching out to me. And, and I always learn something um, when, when I get to speak with somebody who's as thoughtful as you with your questions and, and with the work that you do. So, you know, thank you, uh, Michael, for, for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Again, um, what farmers need to realize is that they are running businesses. They're entrepreneurs. That's right. And so often they think about it's growing a carrot and it's not about growing the carrot. It's about how your systems and processes are in place to be able to build a business that allows you to grow a carrot and still enjoy your life and still have spend time with your kids and your significant other and in your community. And right. so, yeah, that's what our mission is. And, and, you know, from hearing what you just talk about, that's a lot of what you teach as well, which is awesome. And, the reminder was great today. I mean, those 10 principles, all of them I can totally resonate with. And um, I have some great takeaways and I know our, our audience will as well. So fantastic. Yeah, Rob, thank you again for coming on today. Thank you, Michael. And if I could just say one more time, thank you to all you farmers out there. Um, you are something special. And I mean that from my heart and I just so appreciate you. And I know so many people feel the same way I do. So you know, please keep doing what you do and listen to Michael. <laughs> Let him help you understand that that you deserve 
to have a very successful business. You, you put hard, hard work into what you do and we want to see you be successful. So you stick around and keep providing us with the, the very much needed nutrients and, and love that, that we desire in our lives. Okay. Well, I might clip that end piece and use it oh. as a commercial, but. Oh yeah, please feel free. <laughs> uh, for a second, I thought maybe I said something wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're going to say, you know, Rob Dubé Dubay. says to listen to Michael. <laughs> I do mean that. I do mean that. I think you're doing great work. If you're helping these folks, um, that that's important work because we, we need them to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If we don't, we're extinct as a species. So mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. All right, Rob, again, thank you so much for your time. Again, it's an honor to be able to interview you and learn more about you. And I am going to look up this retreat. I think um, probably won't be able to get to it this year, but I, I really think that would be a very interesting and introspective thing to do at some point. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. For that, you can go to, to uh, donothingbook.com and uh, it'll be right there to tell you all about it. Perfect. All right, my man. Hey, it was great chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Right, you, you take care. Bye-bye. Yep. This episode is brought to you by Steward. Steward is transforming agriculture by equipping regenerative farms and food systems with the capital they need to grow. As a mission-driven financial partner, Steward works closely with agriculture businesses to scale their operations, improve the health of their lands and waters, and bolster local to regional food systems. To date, Stewart has provided over 15 million in business loans to fund 75 unique projects, backed by more than 1,500 participating lenders. Stewart is proud to be a certified B Corp. Seek financing or support a loan campaign at gosteward.com. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.